The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. I am Emily Swallow, also known as the Armorer on The Mandalorian. And I'm just giving a little shout out to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast because this is the way. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 160. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Cialana, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away. From movies to books to TV shows and more, we are looking at the deeper themes and meanings found in Star Wars, and we are going to have some fun doing that too. So today we are diving into The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 12, entitled The Outpost. And I am joined today by someone who has had a bit of a hiatus from the show, but is happy to be back, Uh, Ryan Nafziger. Welcome back, Ryan. Hello, hello. I am happy to be back. Yes, sir. And uh, folks who've been listening for a while know that uh, I call myself the Bendu. Um, I've been just christening people (laughs) the last couple of episodes. (laughs) And I was like, Ryan, what do you think of the name The Pod Racer? I think it is great. <laughs> so, Harkening I don't back know. to my first experience with Star Wars, which yeah, was exactly. the Nintendo 64 game Star Wars Pod Racer. That's that's great. what I thought of. I think you brought that up like on your mm-hmm. first um few episodes on the show. So I was like, the Pod Racer. Why not? So here we are. Um we're talking about the Bad Batch. And um, of course. Uh, the last episode of the podcast um, was sort of our return to the Bad Batch. Um, so we are going to continue that with this episode, The Outpost. Um, the episode is summarized on StarWars.com as a new friend is made on a harsh and unforgiving outpost planet. So since some folks are choosing to watch The Bad Batch along with the podcast, we have decided to refrain from spoiler talk on these uh, podcast episode reviews. So we're just um, going to be aware of where we all are in um, the viewing, uh, just for context here. So Ryan, um, have you finished season two of The Bad Badge? I have indeed finished season two as of this recording, but I will do my absolute best to <laughs> make it seem like I haven't. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that for myself, but I have also finished season two, um, but it's been a while. Um, so I'm looking forward to these deep dives so that um, we can kind of finish the season here together on Secrets of Star Wars. And before we move on, just a brief moment to recognize and thank the people who make this podcast even possible, our fabulous patrons, including Greg C., Aaron M., Susan R., Trevor W., and Rosemary S. And you too can help StarQuest to continue our mission by becoming a patron at sqpn.com slash give. All right, so this episode of The Bad Batch was, uh, we were talking before the show, uh, recording started a 
a dense one, as Ryan said. So Ryan, what is your overall first impression that you recall, or maybe just overall summary of what the outpost sort of meant to you watching um, this episode? So preface, this is my favorite episode of season two. All right. Um, So think here. The overall impressions that I got from this episode was I saw a very pronounced tone shift from Mm. the previous, I guess it would be the previous third or almost three quarters of the of season two. This episode seemed to really be a turning point into a more dense and uh, dark uh, time for the batch and for crosshair. So that sort of that summarizes my um, that summarizes my impressions and observations from this episode, though there are many more that we will (laughs) undoubtedly be getting into. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I think for myself, I would say that after watching this episode, I was a little bit stunned (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, because of the intensity of the episode and what it gave us as far as Crosshair's character development and also his relationship to the Empire. Um, And it was also moving to see, well, in that, it was moving to see Crosshair connect with a clone again. um, Yeah. On the level that he did. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of my uh, overview of my takeaways um, from this episode. So let's really get into it, shall we? Yeah. So, um, So we begin by seeing almost like a foreshadowing. Um. We see Imperial Captain Bragg escorting some clones into retirement, essentially. And these clones are kind of scoffing that they're being forced to retire. Of course, um, she just kind of brushes off their comments and tells them to talk to the Imperial Information Bureau for for mm. more information. You know, like don't don't give me any of your comments or questions or whatever. So meanwhile, Crosshair is watching this and to me, it's a great setup for the episode. Um, so let's talk about at this point in the season, what are your thoughts about Crosshair being caught in the middle of this era where we have sort of the clones versus the stormtroopers and right there is is Crosshair. I mean, mm-hmm. fittingly, you know, his name is Crosshair, right? Yeah. Um, but he's, he's in the middle of all of this. Yeah. I think that in a lot of ways, Crosshair is kind of the, it's a way, Crosshair is kind of the poster child for um, the clones that decided to stay with the Empire. Because one big theme with the Bad Batch so far has been um, the, um, the chips in the clones did not take away their free will. They Mm -hmm. did get a choice and some have decided to leave Mm -hmm. and i think crosshair is kind of the the um the way of looking at well what is the life what has life been like for all the clones that decided to stay that decided Mm -hmm. this is my home it's the only life i've known i'm gonna stick with it even though you know maybe i don't 
maybe I don't agree with everything, but good soldiers follow orders. Right. Um, so I think this is kind of the, this is kind of the, um, a, a real like shift in that, in that journey where it seems that in this episode, the clones have, the clones are really definitively, um, moved from being like a necessary but kind of aging part of the empire to really just being a relic and and not really being uh, not really being part of the empire anymore kind of kind of the same the same as you know the old uh, the old like battle droid tanks and the things that you see at the very beginning of the season if you can think all the way back when they're scrounging up all tech and trying to make it work against like the clones are kind of going the way of just just war implements and it's really mm. sad yeah and it's interesting because crosshair is sort of a complicated character and i think that's why mm-hmm. people enjoy his his character so much um the fact that uh i think a lot of us also can sort of relate in a sense because a lot of us have been in a situation where whether it's you know, just a larger institution or even your job, you know, where maybe the higher ups kind of go in a direction where you're like, I don't know if I'm really valuable here anymore, but I'm just going to stick around and try to do my mm-hmm. job, you know, because mm-hmm. my job sort of helps me. Maybe it helps give you purpose or, you know, a sense of direction. And um, for, I mean, in Crosshair's sense, it literally is what he was born and bred for you know Mm -hmm. and and now here he is in the situation where he's no longer wanted really i mean they'll take him and they'll put him on this mission but um ultimately we will find at the end of this episode that it seems they want to do something else um and they know you know they don't want someone who can think for themselves and and be as dangerous as he is right so yeah and it's like the the work that you see the clones doing is mm-hmm. been just become so menial. You know, at the beginning, they were actually getting sent on like, in fact, the second episode of the season, they were getting sent on important high profile missions to go in and infiltrate a, a keep or, you know, some the, the place that I forget exactly what it was. But now they're just guarding things. They're guarding things that seemingly don't matter anymore. So they're just Mm. being put on busy work. They're they're no longer of value, clearly. Yeah. And like and actually in contrast to that, the rest of the Bad Batch has been exploring um, Mm -hmm. different, you know, different ways of of being in the universe and (laughs) and trying to, you know, sort of break out of their mold of being the typical soldier that they're used to. So there is Mm -hmm. this really direct contrast in the storyline between the two, um, well, storylines, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. One is, one, they're they're finding more identity. They're moving beyond their past identity. And Crosshair's kind of just souring in his identity and and is finding out that it's a dead end. Mm. Well, this small scene was uh, sort of a continuation of, yeah, our suspicions that Crosshair may not be just a good soldier who always follows orders, as he continuously repeats. Um, Mm -hmm. And we meet Lieutenant Nolan, who is 
apparently voiced by Crispin Freeman. And if you're a fan of anime, you might recognize his voice or his name. He's done a lot of English dubbing work for anime series. Um, So that's kind of interesting. He was a great villain, I thought. I think so, too. He's a good, like, I think he was a good, like, middling villain. You know, (laughs) I mean, I'm 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 a big Hemlock fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, but I think but I think that he's he did a good job as a middling villain, a sort of a sort of uh, uh, exalted middle manager. <laughs> oh, yeah. We definitely don't like him. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> very easily hateable. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it seems Lieutenant Nolan never misses an opportunity to note the smallest infraction of a clone. Um, and We're informed that the mission is at an Imperial Depot on Barton 4 to secure high-value cargo, quote-unquote, from local insurgents. Um, And apparently, Lieutenant Nolan views clone troopers as used equipment, right? So going back to that whole theme of how they're they're viewed by the Empire, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully, not many of us have been on the receiving end of... I mean, essentially what were abusive, you know, um, remarks. I mean, definitely not helpful remarks at all um, from Lieutenant Nolan here. But, you know, in reality, a lot of people find themselves in in this kind of a situation where they have a superior like this. Um, And again, going back to Crosshair, repeating this, this mantra, good soldiers follow orders. Now we get to see in this particular episode, whether he actually abides by that. Because what if your orders are not good orders? You know, what if your orders are um, like we see at the end? You know, let's just cut yeah. to the chase, right? So um, I don't know. Do you have any any reflections on that, Ryan? Yeah, I think it's definitely... I think in a lot of ways, Crosshair has been trying to just tell himself that things are okay for a long time and this Mm -hmm. is just the this is just the realization for him that things aren't okay because clearly he's been having a lot of second thoughts over the course of most of the screen time that he's gotten since he separated from the bad batch and he's been having to fight through all of that and pretty much lie to himself the whole time and this is just where we see him stop lying to himself Um, and I think that that's really the, I think that this particular scene just real, not the scene, but the, the whole character interaction with him and Lieutenant Nolan just was a chance for him to just see all of those things he's been fighting against embodied and then (laughs) him decide to not care about that anymore (laughs) at the very end. Um, man. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I find it interesting that you, your, I guess, your expression of how Crosshair has been lying to himself because I almost have been wondering if he, if he has been lying to himself or if he's just been sort of taking things in and making his own calculation as far as how important certain situations were in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, like if you're in a situation where, for example, you have um, a really terrible boss, right, and who doesn't um, give people, um, you know, their their human dignity, you know, um, doesn't Mm -hmm. acknowledge that. Um, 
as as someone who is in that company or what have you, you have to uh, assess, right? You have to assess the situation according to your conscience. And I think that's that's something that we can say that Crosshair has been doing is that he has definitely been paying attention because we've been yeah. seeing these little vignettes, right, of him kind of sitting and thinking about what he's been experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so I think he, I mean, he's been, he's been assessing, he's been, try, he's been following his conscience this whole time. And I think the kind of the cool part of the ending is even though we may not agree with his choice, you know, to basically kill somebody, um, we, in a way it, it's, we, it makes us want to root for him, I think, because he's starting to follow his conscience finally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, you know, whether or not his conscience is coming to a morally upright, you know, um, decision uh, is another another conversation. But um, I don't know. You have have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's hard because I it's hard because like if crosshair wasn't part of his uh, if crosshair wasn't part of the batch and part of oh, and with his brothers and was there the entire time i feel like i feel like i would have a lot more sympathy for him mm. but the hard thing that whenever i see scenes with crosshair and like him being portrayed like really sympathetic and I do have some sympathy for him but mm-hmm. it never it never passes me that he didn't just say yes to the empire he said no to his family too mm. and that's something that really it, it it we always seem to we always seem to come back to it mm. for some reason always at the end of a bad batch season um uh where he is he just has to I don't know he has to look himself in the eye and realize what he's done mm-hmm. in, in a way mm-hmm. man I feel like a lot of people listening might be um, this might be ringing some bells for people in terms of you know like making a decision uh, related to your family or your job or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so if if you are having some thoughts you want to share with us, definitely send us some feedback. Um, you can email us starwars at sqpn.com. As we continue, uh, we we finally get to Barton 4. And it is a planet that has an unforgiving, frigid, harsh climate. Um, according to starwars.com, the snow officer look that Lieutenant Nolan is uh, uh, sporting, I guess you could say, is actually um, a new design that takes inspiration from both the Republic and the Imperial snowtroopers, as well as the Imperial officer battle gear. So I thought that was just an interesting note here, because even though we're exploring territory that is previous sort of to a lot of things that we've already seen in Star Wars, we are still seeing some new designs happening, which is always mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Um, and so we meet the depot commander, Mayday. 
um, as well as Hex and Veach. And they're the sole survivors after more than a year on the job here at this depot. And Lieutenant Nolan, of course, scolds them for apparently doing a poor job of upholding their mission. But Mayday doesn't stand for that. Um, And we get this short exchange where he tells Nolan that, in his experience, respect has to be earned. Um, And I've heard this phrase, you know, so many times, I think we all have. Um, From a Catholic perspective, uh, I would say... That's not the case (laughs) because, you know, we believe every person is made in the image and likeness of God has a dignity that's that's comes from that. And therefore, every person is worthy of respect. I don't have to, um, you know, necessarily this is my now I'm personally speaking here, but even if someone is um, not treating me in a way that is respectful, I still believe that I owe them a respect that they're not showing me. Um, And honestly, it was interesting to watch Nolan and Mayday kind of go back and forth a little bit in this case, because I think their whole situation could have been made much easier if they had just been respectful toward each other. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. what, What do you think? Must respect be earned? I mean, I think that there's I think that the truth that Mayday is expressing is kind of a um, is kind of he's more talking about trust, I think, than respect. Okay, because I agree that absolutely respect you're you're not no one must earn someone else's respect, but trust is a bit different than that. And I think that. Mayday is obviously extremely justified in not trusting mm-hmm. um, Lieutenant Nolan and his orders and his and trusting that he happens that trusting that he has the best intentions mm-hmm. in in mind. All that is, I mean, it's pretty clear that Mayday doesn't trust him, and that is, I mean you can absolutely respect someone and you know treat them well without mm-hmm. yeah. trusting them in fact it would be kind of ridiculous if that was not possible mm-hmm. so i'd like to make sure that that's brought in oh definitely i appreciate that and you could even go a little bit further and say that you know lieutenant nolan if he had been a practicing catholic <laughs> Let's, yeah, um, if Nolan was a Catholic, <laughs> but, you need to go to confession. <laughs> so, well, so St. Augustine, he gives us this, um, I think, I believe it's St. Augustine who says, you know, we need to assume that people have the best of intentions um, mm-hmm. and that's part of charity. And obviously Nolan is not doing that. He's coming in and he's wanting to boss other people around and sort mm-hmm. of um, use his position, his uh, rank, uh, as something that just is magically just earns everyone's respect and, and, and trust and all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Um, but he's not doing that. So that, yeah. I guess in, in the long run, that makes everything worse, I think, ultimately. Yeah. And then it becomes clear halfway through the episode that he very clearly does not have the best intentions. You know, yeah. 
Um, Absolutely. He's made it manifestly clear that he does not care about anyone on that base beside himself. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, May Day, he he is he's he's a really interesting character. Um, mm -hmm. He he asks Best the lieutenant hair of any clone so far, <laughs> might I add. Oh, definitely. I think <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah. He's got um, it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But he this personality he's got, he he asks the lieutenant, right, how many missions have you commanded? And he gets the silence and and in a natural way, we we kind of like that, you know, we're just sort of like that's satisfying on a certain mm -hmm. level um, because it's like, oh, you know, he really showed him. But, you know, um, it also gives us a lot of insight into his personality. Um, what was your impression of Commander Mayday overall? And, and why do you think Crosshair was able to connect with him over all the other people that he's been, you know, working with thus far? I think the reason why Crosshair happened to connect with Mayday is um, I think it was pretty clear that Mayday didn't have to he didn't have to prove anything. Um, Crosshair seems to be the type of clone kind of uh, kind of like Rex to a bigger extreme. You know, Rex's mantra is experience outranks everything. But for Crosshair, it seems to be like experience is how I value you. Um, but Mayday didn't have to prove any of that he mm -hmm. very obviously not only knew what to do um without having to you know sit and take orders from crosshair he knew what to do the two of them immediately worked well but he also he, he also just all all of what you had to all of what you needed to know about mayday when we first saw him as like the audience was just shown on his clothing Mm -hmm. and on the uh helmets behind mm -hmm. him. And mm -hmm. I think that that was the I think that was that was how Crosshair really just took in yeah, and the fact that he that the two of them probably were feeling the exact same way. Mm. You no, know, it's it's no secret that Crosshair feels like a piece of used equipment and Mayday probably does too. Mm. And yeah. they probably felt just it would it wouldn't be hard for them to both immediately see the other and say yeah, mm -hmm. I, I understand what you're feeling. Right. Yeah, it's it was definitely a, a level of honesty and authenticity that um, as you know, when you combine that with his experience, um, that's very obvious, you know, um, mm -hmm. that was the kind of the kind of person that that crosshair, um, I guess, connects with because it's it's very similar to sort of the tone of of the Bad Batch and how they operate mm -hmm. right with each other. Yeah, and kind of similar to how Crosshair seemed to relate to Cody. Mm. You know, um, we don't know if Crosshair helped Cody escape or just turned a blind eye, but um, Crosshair definitely felt the same sort of respect for Cody, and the two of them also just immediately worked well together. There wasn't a... There wasn't... He didn't have to explain what he was doing, like when, at the back in Season 1, when he was having to interact with the you know the crack team of non-clones for the first time um there's just that immediate you know immediate kinship because they're brothers yeah 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 absolutely so um so mayday shows crosshair around the outpost they split up um to combat some incoming raiders 
And um, we get this moment where Crosshair looks through his scope in the midst of all the confusion. And then we see an explosion that seems to catch him off guard. He, he throws off his helmet. He makes these kind of grimaces and, and, and noises, you know, as if he's sort of trying to fight off. To me, it looks like he's trying to fight off maybe an episode of PTSD because of the experience that he had in a previous episode where there was an explosion that Mm -hmm. really injured him. Um, So how did you interpret that, that reaction that he had? I interpreted it a bit differently. So I saw that he was zoomed all the way in on his thermal scope and he probably, he probably just saw in a massive blinding flash that overloaded his already enhanced senses, you know, his, his eyesight, which is kind of his, um, part of his, you know, batch senses, the, the accurate thing that sets him apart. It just flooded his, his eyes and it was just sensory Mm. overload. So he had to just get it off. It'd be kind of like, I mean, it would be kind of like, uh, you know, if like Tech's um, ear earpieces just all of a sudden just got flooded with sound. It, mm-hmm. That's that's how I read it. Though when you mentioned PTSD, it made me it made me start thinking about um about the scene where he got um you know he got severely burned by the mm-hmm. um by the Jedi cruisers uh engines. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it could definitely be a combination of both because uh, Crosshair is absolutely a. I was going to say a piece of work, but that just kind of underlines the wrong sort of tone. Yeah, <laughs> that we're <laughs> maybe not trying that. to go against here. But um, but he's really—I mean—he's been, I guess, enhanced, right, mm-hmm. in his sense, in his sensibilities, in order to be, you know, the best, um, uh, you know, assassin or or you know, sharpshooter. Um, so yeah, I could totally see that. And so in this attack, both Veach and Hex die. And so that is, that just leaves uh, Mayday and, and Crosshair as far as clone troopers that are left. Um, and of course that, that gives Lieutenant Nolan two targets, right? Two people to, um, to boss around and, and blame everything on. And he sends them out to retrieve the missing crates. Um, and so early on, they find a, a dead raider who is wearing armor stolen off the, the dead bodies of, of Mayday's own squad. And we get, I think, some foreshadowing as Mayday remarks, you know, how upsetting it is to see this. Um and also disturbing that the dead raiders counterparts left him alone and crosshair says well there's no use in carrying dead weight <laughs> and mayday says remind me not to die on your watch and as i was watching this episode for the second time that really hit me <laughs> wow they they really yeah. put it in there huh um but almost immediately we get the speaking of trust, we get a test of trust, right? So Crosshair steps on a mine and Mayday reminds him of what he just said about carrying dead weight. Oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but um, you know, as much as 
I would absolutely hate to step onto mine. I thought this whole situation was a, a really great addition to the story and to their relationship development. Um, were you were you nervous watching this? And what, oh, yeah. what were you thinking as as all of this was happening? Yeah, I mean, I think the way that they set it up and pulled it out of nowhere was really, really good because it immediately grabbed my attention and made me just freeze up, which was fantastic. Um, yeah. I think that the best in my opinion, the best part of the scene and the the part that definitely made me feel like Mayday and Crosshair just could get each other was when Mayday stepped around the corner before Crosshair stepped <laughs> off the mine. Uh, not, not, uh, what is it? Not, um, not, uh, something is like not, not confident, just not stupid or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right, um, exactly. Which is like, yeah, I think Crosshair will, I think Crosshair is going to appreciate that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, um, and also we, we got an interesting reflection on the Clone War and um, how Mayday was talking about, you know, well, I never thought about what would happen after the war mm-hmm. ended because I never thought about the war ending. But now, of course, I, I have to and, and all of us have to kind of improvise now that the war's over. And um, he asked Crosshair, you know, what unit were you with? And Crosshair has to think about Clone Force 99. And and he says they're gone when when Mayday asks him where they are. So uh, I was just wondering if you had any prediction or not predictions, but any Thoughts about um, what was going through Crosshair's mind at that time? I mean, do you, I, I just wonder how does he feel towards the Bad Batch at this time? If he's missing them, um, if he is kind of like good riddance, if it's a combination, like a mixture of a lot of things. I don't know. What do you think? No, I think at this point, the last time he sees the Batch, the last time he saw the Batch was. Um, the end of season one is that right mm, i'm trying to think if there remember. was another mission where that he was on that he saw them but i it's been a while since i've seen the first sort of half of yeah the season i'd have to i'd have to think about it but mm. i just don't think I think that Crosshair is kind of in survival mode at this point. It's mm. just opening a fresh wound for him. Mm. Um, he definitely, I think he's definitely just partitioned that part of him off and mm. is trying to, I think he's just trying to live day to day. You know, when you, go, when you go into survival mode, you just kind of put things off emotionally until you, un, until you get out of what you're trying to deal with. And he's probably, he probably doesn't know when what he's dealing with will end. Yeah. Well, after Mayday saves Crosshair's life, they come to the camp of the the raiders and it seems like they're not humans because they're they're vocalizing some sort of guttural noises. Um I was I was thinking probably they were also the creation of D Bradley Baker who who voices the clones because if you've ever seen an interview with D Bradley Baker, um or a panel discussion he 
loves making weird noises. So, <laughs> <laughs> so aside, I figured that was him. <laughs> and aside on on the Raiders, um, I was watching. So I had already watched the episode once and I was watching it w- again with a friend who hadn't. And she was convinced initially that they would be renegade clones mm. or defective clones or something like that. So that mm-hmm. was really it was really interesting to see them just become faceless. And I think that actually worked really well in this context because it kind of would have brought too much in to be like processing for the narrative if they had been, you know, oh, my gosh, they're renegade clones or they were rebels and they were just trying to, you know, it, it kind of just takes away too much of the narrative. It becomes too convoluted there. But I thought they were really, really, really foreign. Yeah, that's well a great point. Yeah. Um, so Mayday and Crosshair kind of make, they do their thing, right? I mean, they, <laughs> they end up causing um, a whole lot of, uh, at least injury, I guess you should say. And they start to go load up some of that stolen cargo. And they see some in the snow and they realize that it's, it's stormtrooper gear. It's TK gear. And that the Empire has been assigning clones to the depot because they're expendable. Um, Even after, as Mayday says, you know, even after all that the clones have done for the Empire, he says, we're good soldiers. We followed orders. And for what? So, Ryan, what what does that cargo and what it was, what what kind of significance did that have for you watching this play out? I mean, the big the big thing for me was just how you could see you didn't need an explanation on what was going on just by looking at the armor that um, Mayday was using. You know, everyone everyone loves to look at the clone armor because it always looks so cool and it's always different every time. But this time was the most different because it was battered. It, they they couldn't do they had to make do with what they had. He didn't have the proper snowtrooper armor either. They say several times, you'll freeze to death in this weather. Well, the reason why is they literally didn't have the gear that they were supposed to. And so this whole time they've been guarding just basic armor that what it showed was that they're just not valuable enough. They're literally less valuable than the clothes on their backs because if they were more valuable than the clothes on their backs, then they'd be wearing what they're trying to guard. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the most, just the biggest, heaviest hitting sort of visual from this episode mm-hmm. um, where it just, it it really just introduced sort of the end game of the, I guess you'd call it the clone phase out, the time between the end of the empire and the beginning of episode of star Wars episode four, where clones are gone. And this is kind of the, the beginning of the end in a way I, I felt like this, this particular scene was just really the beginning of the end. Cause you know, you know, who wears that gear, you know, that it's just, it's, it's stormtroopers. It's TKs. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, it was it was pretty heartbreaking to see, and the I think what helps with the emotional impact um, is that we don't get much time to really reflect on it, because almost immediately there's an avalanche that starts, and you know probably probably caused by 
the attack that they had to make on mm-hmm. that base. So uh, thus adding more to, you know, sort of the tragedy of it, you know, if, if they hadn't been sent out to, to accomplish this mission, then Mayday would have still, you know, been alive. But um, so obviously mm-hmm. Crosshair digs through the snow, finds that Mayday is seriously injured um, and, you know, physically unable to make it on his own. Um, you know, it's interesting that we had all this talk from Crosshair about um, carrying, there's no point in carrying dead weight. And then we get Crosshair endangering his own life to carry Mayday through the snowstorm, who is essentially a dead weight. So um, why do you think that there was this big change? Do you think it was, do you think the armor was sort of the last straw for him, for Crosshair to really understand what was going on and, and to change his mind? Yeah, I think so. I I think that that was, I think that was for him just, one of the moments in a long string of things in this episode where he's realizing that he was wrong and the Empire isn't all he has. His brothers are all that he has because mm. the Empire doesn't care. He's He lives or dies. So I think that that was the moment where he decided, and I hope that, I hope that this pans out well, like in the future, but Crosshair's very clearly decided in this episode that his brothers are all he has and Mm -hmm. that is what matters right very clear in this scene yeah um and also with i think with the environment being what it was was very intentional um Mm -hmm. the the makers of the show have talked about in previous um sort of content that we've gotten whether it's an interview or something else um about how they're really intentional with regard to the environment that the episode takes place in so mm-hmm. uh, to have um crosshair carrying mayday through this snowstorm um in this basically there's no warmth right so yeah. it's very much i think an analogy for how there is no warmth for the clones anymore on the part of the empire that they are on their own and yeah, exactly. No one, no one cares whether they live or die. Um, so it's very frigid. And, um, when you think about cold, you know, extreme cold, what, cause it could have been extreme hot weather too. Right. But I think it was for that reason, intentionally extreme cold, um, because, uh, they just, they needed that, that spark of, of hope of of life you know that they really just didn't have it was sort Mm -hmm. of like seeing that cargo um when it was that really sort of um took took the hope out of their futures in a way um yeah for any any future with the the empire so finally they make it right to the to the depot as the cargo is being shipped out and um to me, that was very poetic as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I mean, the, the clones are being shipped out. Here comes mm-hmm. the, the, the new TK gear being yep. carefully shipped into the Imperial bases. With the exact and, same amount of care they probably showed the clones. You 
know, yeah. same, same ships even, you know? Yeah. It's right. just cargo. It's terrible. And of course, the first person that we see is Lieutenant Nolan, who at the beginning of this episode, he spoke about the clones as being used equipment. Well, now we have some new equipment, right? That's being shipped into, um, uh, out from here, but into other Imperial bases. And so he gets his shiny new equipment, right? I mean, it's, it's really, it's just heartbreaking to, to talk about. I mean, to kind of piece all this together is yeah. just wild how they really, their writers really, um, they hammered underline it this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and now we see Lieutenant Nolan essentially treating Mayday and Crosshair with a heartbreaking amount of, of contempt. Um, he sees them struggling. He kicks them while they're down. And uh, Mayday is literally on the ground, um, can get no lower. And I think that's also very poetic and, and intentional. Crosshair insists on Mayday getting a medic, but Nolan says that would be a waste of the Empire's resources. And at that point, Mayday dies. So um, Nolan tells them they're both expendable and then tells Crosshair to get back to work while he's useful. So, um, yeah, how how did the scene impact you and and um, what kind of things did you pull from from this final scene here? Yeah, I feel like they just cranked it up to 11. Really? <laughs> I mean, they could have they could have done they could have shown half of what they did for this particular scene and it would have still made it enough. But man, they decided to hammer it home. And I think it just. It in a way you just want you wanted Crosshair to pull the trigger the whole time. Mm. You're just waiting for him to you're wondering why he didn't do it sooner. And I think that that was so it was so effective because it puts you into the perspective of how much Crosshair's probably endured over yeah. the course of his whole post uh, post order 66 career. You know, he probably is just the whole time he's just getting, you know, verbally beaten to death by mm-hmm. Nolan. He's probably think, you know, flashbacks. Probably someone's probably done an edit of this on YouTube, but you know, all of the times that he has been treated like garbage, all mm-hmm. the times, and I think it makes it so much more like it makes it so much more poignant when he snaps and just kills him. Yeah, it's, it really, really shows that Crosshair has made his decision. He is not going to take this anymore. Well, and listen, I mean, unfortunately, we're seeing some of that in real life. I mean, we're seeing a lot of people snapping in the crosshair sense. And I'll just leave it at that. But I think it really can drive home the importance of, you know, taking, treating people with that respect, you know, helping people out. I mean, we've got to, we've got to support our fellow human beings, because this is there. Some really terrible things can happen when 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 people are 
sort of feel like they're being beaten down so much by, you know, whether it's structures in society or um, their own just unfortunate situations. And um, I mean, life is hard, right? Mm -hmm. So um, when you have these kind of, you know, um, when you're being treated in such a way, you know, as, as Crosshair was and as the clones are in, in this season and overall, we, we see, you know, how it can affect somebody. And that's just, it's, it, it really, for me, it, it hits home in, in, on so many levels there. Um, so I think ultimately, yeah, it, the clones are slaves to the empire and and we see that in in this particular scene they're being treated as subhuman nothing more than their utility um and we have that gorgeous shot of crosshair next to mayday's body looking up to that snow vulture circling ahead of them mm-hmm. um so what what do you think that that symbolize this because there's obviously some symbolism in in that shot i think it was just showing how i think the the thing that i took away from all the recurring snow vulture theme was i mean the first thing i think of when i hear when i see like in media a scene of a vulture circling overhead is actually you know in a desert where you see someone struggling along and they're on their last legs and the vultures are just waiting for them to drop. And I think that we were being shown from through the whole through this whole episode that this is the end of Crosshair's drudging on under the empire. This is mm. this is it and this is where he's going to decide and I originally, the first time I watched the episode, I didn't know if Crosshair was just going to die there. Right. Because that could have also been, you know, shooting, shooting, um, uh, shooting, uh, Lieutenant, I'm Nolan. so terrible with names. Thank you. Yeah. Nolan. Shooting Note- Lieutenant Nolan and dying would have been, you know, a more tragic conclusion, but could have still been like the same level of just, impact but i think the that was i that is definitely what i saw that vulture is indicating like this is the end of the long march wow so it's i mean crosshair lives but in a way part of him dies yeah yeah he he dies a lot of a lot of things die Mm. yeah i mean to me what i got from that snow vulture sort of circling over them is that that snow vulture is acting as the empire is treating the clones. It's just like waiting for them to die basically. Um, Mm -hmm. And to be of some other value to them, if they can, you know, if they can get any last bit of value, even, you know, from their death. Um, And so I think we see all of that, you know, summed up in that scene. And then in Crosshair's mind, he he makes that decision, right? He calls out Lieutenant Nolan and kills him. And 
when you see him do that, there's like so much pain in his face and his body. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. like, he's just wrapped in pain. And even the sound design, I noticed it sort of becomes more echoey. It's like yeah. when you just sort of check out mentally and everything just kind of is happening around you and you're less aware of it. Um, That's what I, I interpreted the sound design as, just trying to communicate um, and we hear these kind of like gasps coming from him. Like he's just at the end of his rope and everything goes dark. Yep. <laughs> so I thought that was the end of the episode. <laughs> Me too. I thought that we were going to, I thought that that was the end, like that we would never see Crosshair alive again. Uh-oh. Yeah. There it is. And <laughs> <laughs> he wakes up. Then he wakes up and. And it's not over yet. Um, He's in this clinical kind of environment and he's greeted by a female Kiwi accent similar to the clones, but it's not Omega. It's Emery Carr. And she was introduced earlier, I believe. Um, I think they talked about her on the last podcast. Uh, She's apparently working for the Empire with Dr. Hemlock. And uh, she tells Crosshair, cooperate and you might survive. As she's sticking him in the neck with this huge needle. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, cooperate and you might survive. That could be a slogan for the Empire, don't you think? I think that that's probably the best Empire slogan that they've got so far. <laughs> um, I think it fits really well with a lot of series we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> wow cooperate yeah. and you might survive you might survive um <laughs> so much hope in that slogan no yep. no really not at all um now the identity of emery carr it is revealed in the season to some degree um we won't go into that with you know we don't want to spoil anything but um, what do you think she's doing with Dr. Hemlock? I didn't think that's really something that's made clear. Um, do you have any theories about what she's doing with with him in this in this sort of lab? Yeah, I. That's something. Or. Shockingly, I probably don't have any theories on this because, like, I just don't know. <laughs> she. She's so she's so mysterious. And Mm. even even after the conclusion of this season, she still remains extremely mysterious. Mm -hmm. Um, She. She performs her work faithfully. She you don't even know. I mean, I haven't even figured out if she's on board with the Empire. Right. To be honest, she Mm -hmm. she's very much an enigmatic. Um, she's just an enigmatic figure that that inter- that's really interesting. Kind of the same way that Hemlock's interesting because mm-hmm. Hemlock is is um just aloof and in control all the time. He, yeah, he is, and he's very enthusiastic though about yeah. what he's doing, and he's voice acted extremely well. <laughs> <laughs> um. But in the same way, she she seems very aloof and mm. 
separated from everything that's going on around her. And that's mm-hmm. but she knows so who Crosshair is. Yeah, she knows, she knows who Crosshair is. She not only knows his clone trooper number, mm-hmm. but she also knows his nickname. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's also poetic that we saw that sort of death of part of Crosshair on Martin Four, And then Mm -hmm. after that death, he is in a lab where really he was born in the lab because he's a clone. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like the the beginning of a new life in a way for crosshair yeah i read it i read it a bit differently um i read it i read it in the same way that um i I read it as sort of like a cycle of life completion where it's Mm. like he started in a lab and it looks like he's gonna finish in a lab Mm. and i think that that was kind of i think that i think that that's where it's going where it sounds it this is terrible to say, but now they're going to take away Crosshair's identity where he mm. becomes a body for experiments. Mm. He is now a living body, and that is all. Yeah. And that's where I think things are really gonna get um dark in sure. Man. Well, I tell you what, that was my initial takeaway from that. But as we've been talking, I've been thinking like, man, these writers are really like, (laughs) they're really doing something here. And Mm -hmm. I just, I think, I want to say that, um, you know, I think the lab could, I'll say it that way, it could signify the potentiality of a beginning of of a new life for, for Crosshair if he wants it. I'll just mm-hmm. leave it there. But yeah. <laughs> Do you have any other final thoughts, Ryan, on this your favorite episode in season 2? Yeah. Um the thing that this episode made me think about the most is um the thing that this episode made me think about the most is where is where is all of this leading to? Mhm. Because they're they're taking they're taking the clones away they have systematically destroyed every trace of tech of this technology they now have complete control over it and they're just massing it and centralizing it are we going to see in the bad batch where this is all going to and that's what i'm that's what I'm kind of a bit I'm I'm a bit scared for the batch about because it it seems like this is all leading towards like a very like dark uh, a a conclusion that involves a lot of like just death and I'm very concerned that um as things conclude we're going to see what we're going to see like a rogue one esque ending mm. where the team doesn't make it out alive but something else does mm. and i'm i'm i don't i hope that doesn't happen 
fingers crossed. Wow. But uh, yeah. it's really, it really does seem like that's where things are going because they're not pulling any punches with this so far. But Ryan, it's a kids show. It's Star Wars is a kids show, though. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you oh, what, man. after watching this episode, I was like, man, Star Wars is not a kids show. <laughs> no, it's not. If it anything, is. Andor proved that to me. <laughs> that was a bit too much for you. For, it was a bit too much for me. And this episode was getting there, too. Man, the Bad Batch is really, I mean, it's parental guidance for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> this uh, this was really heavy. Um, but I, I know that there's got to be a lot more interpretations and different ways of looking at everything that we saw in this episode. So... I would love to hear from our listeners if you had some thoughts, some feedback that you'd like to share with us on this episode or anything Star Wars. Send us your questions, your comments. Everything is welcome. You can email us at starwars at sqpn.com. You can also find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. Leave a comment there. You can find us on YouTube as well. Leave a comment or simply tweet us at SQPN. And another way that you can help is by telling anyone else you know to subscribe to Secrets of Star Wars. Uh, We will be continuing and finishing the Bad Batch Season 2, and then we'll get right into Star Wars Visions, which I know some of you are already dipping your toes into, and that is very exciting. So we will be covering it all. On Secrets of Star Wars, you can find us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically wherever you can find um, podcasts. And you can learn more about our show and see previous episodes at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. All right. So be sure to uh, give us a rating, give us a review, help us to know what we're doing well and how we can continue to help people uh, who are interested in Star Wars to find secrets of star wars next week we will uh, be going on a trip to pabu so come along with us as we discuss season two episode 13 of the bad batch and honestly who doesn't want a tropical getaway these days (laughs) yes please (laughs) so ryan nafziger it was great to have you back thank you so much for joining me in the secrets of star wars enjoyed every minute of it And once again, I am the one in the middle, the Bendu, Angela Cialana. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash mysterious.